I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Nonsense podcast. Once again, I'm Neil Smith, also joined as always by Steve Bottom. And today, today, we are going to finally do it. We've 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 talked about it a little bit, we've referenced it on other shows, but here it is, folks. Get your popcorn ready. We're here to break down the 2021 Baltimore Ravens. This, unlike the Falcons, will be your full drive to work. There's a <laughs> lot of ground to cover here, folks. A lot to say. So let's get right into it with what matters. Deion Kane. All right. What, let's get right into that. The battle between Deion Kane and James Proch. It's, it's what we're all here for. It's the elephant in the room. But once again, as always, we're breaking this down based on 12-team PPR. We're going to be referencing the Fantasy Pros ECR as well as our own rankings and uh, collateral from our site. Check us out at importantnonsense.com slash Patreon to help, keep, uh, help us keep the lights on over here, folks. Really appreciate that. And uh, if you're listening to this, thank you for your click. But I think we we, we got to do this like we do all the other ones, Steve. Let's go right into quarterback. It's what we're it's what the people want. They want to hear about Lamar. So take it away, my friend, because I know you got some strong opinions on this topic. I don't have strong opinions about Lamar Jackson. I'm not Jack. He's got strong facts. How about that? <laughs> got strong facts about Lamar Jackson. Here's what's very interesting about the Ravens is that last year. They had a 49.3% pass play percentage, which was dead last in the NFL. And you would think that because of that, that they would have like a low volume receiving core, that there wouldn't be a ton of options and that their quarterback wouldn't be that valuable. And you wouldn't be entirely wrong. I mean, even in our projections this year, we still have them projected for literally the least amount of pass attempts of all the teams in the NFL. And despite that fact, we have what one, two, three, four players that are startable on a weekly basis coming off of the Ravens, including Lamar Jackson, who is top five at his position at quarterback. Now, Jack will argue that he's the number one guy. If that's your flavor, I'm not going to yuck your yum. You go right ahead. <laughs> All right. It's not my cup of tea. That he's expression, in- though. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one, right? Uh, but he, he is, for me, we talked about tiers. I, we both have Murray and Mahomes in our top tier at quarterback. Tier two is Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott in some order. For me, it's Prescott, Allen, and then Jackson. But again, you, you shake them up however you like. For me, they're all kind of the same thing there. Whereas Lamar Jackson is going to give you the rushing Not necessarily huge passing numbers, but decent enough and efficient enough throwing the ball that he's not going to crush you on a weekly basis. So I think he got really overblown last year with the fact that people were taking him or Mahomes one or two and they got burned. And because of that, you know, they they like to to kind of throw dirt on the grave for lack of a better term there. But. The second half of the season, Lamar Jackson was a top five quarterback after he came back from being on the COVID list. So 
he did what he was supposed to do when he was healthy. He just wasn't healthy at the start of the season. Exactly. And we also saw what, you know, getting a COVID infection did to some other players in the league. Mm -hmm. Cam Newton's a prime example. It takes right. some time to come back from that as an right. illness. It's not the kind of thing you're just going to suddenly recover from. And it's still, you know, it affects everybody a little bit differently. So it's, some people recover a little bit faster, some a little bit slower. Yeah. But no, I'm I'm right there. I've got Lamar at my number five quarterback. He's firmly in tier two. Yeah. It's just of the Konami code quarterbacks, a term you will hear a lot as you listen to these. He is definitely one of them. He's just not the one that I think is the is the top of the tree. That's Kyler yeah. Murray. I think the so, only one in that group of Konami guys that's a that I would consider like a lower tier passer than him is Jalen Hurts. Yes. And that's why they're in two different tiers. And that's also important to point out because the best one of them, Kyler, is the best passer of the football. So right. Lamar, you're relying very heavily on that rushing floor. And granted, when he's out there, it's electric. And you're relying on those rushing touchdowns. He's not bad enough throwing the football that he'll crater everyone around him to yeah. the extent Jalen Hurts kind of does. But that's that's why he ends up where he does. If, you, if you're going to spend out on quarterback, I think you're well within your rights to, to pick up Lamar Jackson. And it does do some interesting things with the skill position players around him. But it is interesting. I will reference something you said about our projections. I mean, we've got them projected to throw the football the least amount of times in the league. And that's a, in a league where the Cleveland Browns exist, a team that does not want to throw the football right. at all. So that's saying something. Tennessee, as as, who just yeah, Tennessee. force feeds the ball to Derrick Henry. Like it, it's they do not throw the ball a ton and i'm not saying that they drastically change their philosophy you'll you'll hear that a lot too which kind of gets me about um you know you can't take this wide receiver you can't take mark andrews you can't take this running back it's because they don't throw the ball very much or they've never wanted to throw the, they're a rushing team rushing team rushing team and that's not entirely false like that's that you're not wrong there they do run the ball a ton, but it's also because Lamar Jackson scrambles a ton. Like we have Lamar Jackson for 150 rush attempts this year between scrambles and designed run plays. So that's not crazy to say they're a run first team, but at the same time, it he what options has he had? What players has he had to we'll throw get, the ball? We'll, we'll to? get there, but how the mighty have fallen, Hollywood Brown. Right. So like he has not had these it's not like he's throwing the ball to AJ or yeah AJ Brown or to Julio Jones he's not in Tennessee he doesn't have Calvin Ridley he doesn't have DK Metcalf like he doesn't have these top tier options to throw the ball to so it's hard to knock him and say he's never thrown the ball that much why would he yeah it's not it's not their design and he's not he's been the best player for so long you know what but i mean he's the then, best player on their team right but even then like I said, we, we have him projected for the least amount of pass attempts in the entire league this year, and he's still the number two overall quarterback, and I still have at least one wide receiver in the top 30, two in the top 60, usable on a weekly basis, still a top-tier flex running back, top five tight end. Like Just because they don't throw the ball a ton doesn't mean everyone on this roster is dead, and that's a lazy argument. It is. And so let's, I think to crystallize the conversation on Lamar Jackson, if you want to take him as a top five quarterback, I would say you should, and you were well within your rights to, I wouldn't be Jack and say he's the number yeah. one overall and I wouldn't overpay for it. But if you're in that second tier of quarterback and that's how you want to build your team, Lamar is an option for you. Well, that's someone, one of those things too. Like it's a reason why we'll never have an investment in Patrick Mahomes. Yes. 
because there's too many people in the industry that view him as the end all be all one of one at quarterback. Whereas my guy this year is Kyler Murray. Jack's guy is Lamar Jackson. So even though that's your number one guy, you don't necessarily have to pay like they're your number one guy because the rest of the you know general public doesn't agree with that. They'll slide to a position you can be comfortable taking them. Exactly. So don't overpay for any yeah. of this. And as we talk about with quarterback, you can still wait on quarterback, folks. That strategy yeah. is not dead. We watched it on Friday night with number of folks in the expert mock going ahead and deciding to wait. And there's a number of lovely mid-tier options for you, like there always are, that will get you through no problem. So don't overpay to get Lamar. But if you do want to get Lamar, wheels up. Wheels yep. up on Lamar. Uh, let's talk about some of these skill position guys, though. You want to, let's, let's do what we've done for the other shows, and let's just, go, let's just get right into it. Let's talk about wide receiver. You're going to talk about wide receiver a lot in PPR. And let's, let's, let's talk about the Ravens offseason for a moment and just what they have had to attempt to do to, to rebuild this wide receiver core. It's never been great. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nerd, I'm sorry, but Willie Sneed is gone. Um, he's no the, longer there. You the can't, one person that cared. Yeah. You can't talk to me about Willie Sneed anymore. I'm sorry. But they also went out and acquired Sammy Watkins to the extent that anyone cares. And I would argue that you shouldn't. Uh, they also then went and did something that I'm going to lay out for my colleague on. And they went and drafted Mr. Rashad Bateman. And now I will defer to you, sir, because this is, this is your thing. It is my thing. So Rashad Bateman, uh, in our pre-draft rankings, pre-draft analysis, Jamar Chase was number one. Rashad Bateman was very close to him as the number two wide receiver on the board, followed closely by uh, Elijah Moore. And we saw on night one that Kadarius Toney went, and we saw that... Bafflingly, bafflingly went. (laughs) We saw that Jamar Chase went, and then we saw Rashad Bateman go to the Ravens. And... It was a situation where I didn't think he would get a high amount of volume initially, but again, just based on his college profile, what he was able to do. If you've never seen Rashad Bateman play, he played in Minnesota. He was a scat, basically outside wide receiver. He's not a big bodied guy, but he plays like a big bodied guy and he is able to catch the ball. He's bigger than Devonte Smith. He's bigger than Jalen Waddle. I think he's just as fast as Jalen Waddle, but he's got better hands and he's got a, a he, he, just like I said, a, a bigger bodied guy who's able to make those catches and make those big plays in the red zone and in the end zone. So he's a wide receiver that plays like a tight end, which fits into what they want to do with this offense. As we've seen through Mark Andrews, he's a guy that's going to thrive in the red zone. He's going to get those contested catches down the field. Uh, again, for me, it's 100% wheels up. I think he comes in day one and is the number one guy. Hollywood Brown is a guy that has never been an alpha receiver in his entire career, whether it's collegiate or here in the NFL, asking him to be the number one receiver on a team was never going to happen. He was always a B. He was always the number two guy and the number two option. He was always going to be the burner that's going to run down the field with his hands up. Bateman is going to catch everything over the middle. He's going to catch everything on the outside and the contested catches with the number one coverage. Hollywood now just has to run down the field and try to make the big plays. If you want a good comparison, look at the Chargers. You're thinking Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, basically. That's that's Rashad Bateman and Hollywood Brown. 
is, is the way that I'm basically breaking it down. And it makes it, it, it's a very compelling thing. It's just the argument that people are making against you in a very large way mm -hmm. from what I see of it, from watching you interact with people on Twitter is, uh, which is always the highest level of discourse, as we know, of course. Mm -hmm. um, is that a lot of people are just, they're, they're actually referencing kind of our own argument against us saying, and you, you addressed it a little bit on the top there, but the, they're referencing, well, how is Bateman going to be able to sustain I believe you have got him at what? What's your actual ranking on Bateman? It's better than wide receiver twenty-six, I believe, which is what our projection is. Uh, my, no, my actual ranking of him is wide receiver twenty-six. Okay, okay. So oh. I think for I think that that's important to keep in mind because we're not saying Rashad Bateman, you know, top twenty wide receivers really, you know, splash out on it. So we're high on him as a website, and Steve individually is. Uh, but it's one of those situations where I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily sit here and be wanting people to get the impression that we're saying, oh no, top 15, because what people on the internet seem to come back at you with is the, is your own kind of argument about the volume that you well, had, uh, that you had started into there. And you know what? I, I will say I misspoke there. So the ECR right now, because we're talking about the, the wide receivers. So obviously I'm way ahead of ECR. That's fine. Uh, Hollywood Brown is the first wide receiver off the board for everybody in the ECR and he's going at wide receiver 47 which is very low but also makes a lot of sense. Rashad Bateman in the ECR is wide receiver 65. And that that's, again, that's the there you go. That so comes back to people saying low passing volume offense, it's a rookie, we don't know what it is. There's still another guy there who's more familiar with the team, blah, 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 whatever excuses. For my own personal rankings, I have Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 35 in PPR. And it, again, it's not because I'm down on Rashad Bateman and our actual projections have him at wide receiver 26. It's because that is so that is still so significantly high compared to ECR that I can hedge my bet and have him at 35. And even if I'm wrong, I'm closer to the ECR than if I'm absolutely right. But when I am right, because I will be, when I am right about Rashad <laughs> Bateman breaking out as the number one, then I will be so much significantly higher than everyone else that I will just crush it in the accuracy there. And that, and, and that's, that's why I want to really unpack this conversation for people. So nobody mm -hmm. here is saying take Rashad Bateman in the top 20. It's, yeah. it's, it's not worth it. I personally yeah. have Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 43, which makes me a hater at the important <laughs> nonsense side of the thing. But when yeah. you layer on what Steve is talking about, yeah. the industry has got him at wide receiver 60. Yeah. Just using your 65. I mean, 65, compared to yeah. what you're talking about, Rashad Bateman is a guy using your rankings. Like you said, you're, you're lower than a, a couple people at the website. And even then, using your rankings, you would be taking Rashad Bateman way before anybody else in the Correct. ECR. Correct. And so and I will have. That's kind of why I have it this way is because just based on the tiers and how everything is ranked and arranged at wide receiver, like having him at 35 means I'll generally end up with him as my primary flex or my wide receiver three. And like I said, I feel like he's got top 24 upside to be a wide receiver two. And I feel like I've, I've made a huge steal at that point. Right. And it's just a situation where for me, I'm a little bit lower, but it's still basically in this, it's still in the same tier. Yeah. And you're in a situation there where there's just a couple guys I like ahead of him. Like I've got Jarvis Landry slightly ahead of Bateman and I'm pretty much in line with everybody else on that. There's a couple guys in there that I would rather have just because there's less uncertainty 
Yeah. Brandon Cooks is another one that's yeah. that's, that's in there. Uh, LaVisca Chanel, Court, uh, Curtis Samuel. These are all guys I have slightly ahead yeah. of Bateman just because there's a little bit more upside, a little bit more uncertainty. But I still love Rashad Bateman. I have Rashad Bateman over Tyler Boyd, for example. I don't well, want Tyler amazing. Boyd. But even for us, for us, <laughs> go, go do that math while know, we're vamping here on the internet because – that one on the ECR, that you'll find something very different, I believe, based on people's general. Uh, yeah, Tyler Boyd there. in ADP is going at wide receiver thirty-seven. Yeah, which is a criminal act in my mind. But that's but, ridiculous. But again, like just it's not as ridiculous by, as previous years. But it's by ridiculous. current ADP, Hollywood Brown is going at wide receiver forty-four. Right, and I've got Hollywood Brown at wide receiver sixty-one. Yes, we basically right. we are in the same mindset of Rashad is the one, Hollywood is the two. Yes. And everybody else in the general public has that flip flopped, which will change after this season. It'll change after even during the preseason. It'll change after week four uh, but, by the latest because Sammy Watkins yeah. will throw a delay in there. It would have been week three, but Sammy <laughs> yeah, Watkins will right. screw that up because it'll week go off Watkins, in week one. Yeah. We'll have to have that conversation again. Uh, so that's that's but, that's. But way- even then, like the ECR is saying and ADP is putting Hollywood at wide receiver 44 which is pretty much where you have Bateman. Yeah, I've got it literally flip-flop from the ECR. And the ADP has Bateman at 59. And you've got Hollywood at like 61. Yep, I've got so it pretty much exactly flip Like I said, it's, it's exactly flip-flopped. And in our projections, we have Hollywood at 59. So again, it's right. We just have it the other way. We, we see it going differently. Bateman leads the team in target. And yes, the team, more than Mark Andrews. Like I, I, I cannot stress enough how much better Rashad Bateman is than any other wide receiver Lamar Jackson has played with. Like this is the best pure talent receiver he has ever had. Well, yeah, because the best wide receiver he's ever had is Hollywood Brown up until this point. Right. So, well, I mean, technically Mark Andrews. That's fair. And that's actually fair because he'd be a pass catcher. So sure. Yeah. But just from a pure player standpoint, like this is the best pass catcher that he's had. Rashad Bateman was, as we kind of pointed out, he was a blue chip prospect coming into the league. And if you go and just Google his highlight film from Mm -hmm. college, he dominated the Big Ten handily. And the Big Ten is, you know, it is what it is. And like, it's not nothing. This is one of those things we talk about every year where it's don't get sucked into the narratives. And that's kind of why I brought up the pass catching and the volume with this offense before, because... If this is another scenario where I don't want to use the Chiefs, but if he if Rashad Bateman was drafted on the Chiefs, he'd be a top twenty wide receiver in the ECR. Yes, even even with yeah. Tyreek Hill there. If, if he Rashad was drafted Bateman, by the Bengals, yeah, if he <laughs> was if he was the one that went there instead of Chase, he would be a top thirty at the very least uh, player in the ECR. If he was drafted to go to the Browns and take the opposite side role of Odell with Jarvis in the slot, he would probably be a top 30 wide receiver option still. If he went to Green Bay and was on the other side of Devontae Adams, he'd be a top 20 ECR wide receiver. So, I mean, Rashad Bateman's pure talent, he was a first-round draft capital. He's the best player they've had at the position in a long time, probably since Steve Smith. Well, Rashad Bateman's getting Allen Robinson. Yeah, is, is what I would say. It's mm-hmm. a, it's the comp that, that that I use the most because he's very much getting Allen Robinson. So it's a uh, it's kind of a frustrating thing. You've got a really talented guy who gets who gets, unfortunately gets to start his career in not an in a suboptimal situation. So yeah. 
you adjust accordingly. But if if he was a if it was a contest of pure talent, we would probably have him somewhere in the twenties yeah. as a rookie. And, and, and again, if you don't want to if you don't want to believe me, you talk to our friend Matt Harmon, reception perception, because he was also Bateman was also his number two wide receiver going into the draft. And we were we had a pity party for ourselves about Bateman initially being drafted with the Ravens. Like, oh, I wish he was in a situation where he could be massive top 20 first year, but I still think he breaks out as the one. So it, it's the same deal here. I mean, he's a guy who I think has the potential for sure, but I don't have to spend higher than a top 35 pick. So why would I? Exactly. This is one of those convenient scenarios, folks, yeah. where you can actually get in on the ground floor of something. Yeah. And you can get it at a discount and it actually makes sense to do it. Because when you're telling me that that man's competition is Hollywood Brown, who we've covered, yeah. that is not competition. He will win right. that battle. No problem. Unless some sort of horribly unfortunate event happens, which we're all praying it doesn't. Right. So basically at that point, I think we've explained our position on this quite clearly. Right. Let's Rashad talk about Bateman, the by the way, in ADP, just real quickly. Uh, like I said, wide receiver 59, which is 177 overall that means you can get rashad bateman in the middle of the 15th round exactly and i i and i would probably he probably in any league you and i are in we would get cold feet before oh, then oh and, yeah I, and get our guy like, like i said rashad bateman is always the wide receiver i'm looking as my primary backup wideout. i'll get my starting wideouts and my flex and then it's bateman time that's and that's a good way to it's a good way to live it's a good way to live your life uh, if you're asking me that's that's it's a very similar strategy. Right, so I how do love, you want to pivot here, Neil? Do you want to well, go? with I want to just whip through the or? I want to I want to whip through the last of the wide receiver room and let's just finish it because it's just okay. not that much to talk about. Sammy Watkins, we mentioned it. Uh, wide receiver 101. There is no reason to draft Sammy Watkins. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That is uh, not true at all. You draft Sammy Watkins in the 15th round. You start him week one, guaranteed 40 points. Okay, cut him. Okay. Uh, what's hilarious about that, folks, if you're new to fantasy football, is that Sammy Watkins is notorious for about three years in a row for going off on week one and then disappearing. Sammy off week basically. one Watkins. So if as I actually have seen people legitimately saying, I will take Sammy Watkins in like the last round of my draft to start him one week and then cut him. So I've actually seen that argument. It's not for me personally, but I have <laughs> seen it and it is, it is entertaining. And uh, I've seen some people actually do it. We'll see if it works out for you. But uh, Sammy week one Watkins is not something for the hall that you're going to want. Uh, Devin Duvernay for me, same thing. He's not draftable. It's a name you might need to know, but I'm not a Devin Duvernay guy. Sorry, the nerd. Sorry. I know that that's offensive to you, but we're, I'm not here to talk about Devin Duvernay. Right. Uh, and then the only one that I think is a name that you need to know. It's not something I'm thinking you need to draft, but I think you should know who Tylen Wallace is. He's the other wide receiver that Baltimore drafted this offseason. And he doesn't really necessarily fit the mold for what I view them as what they want to do, but they do need a field stretcher. Uh, you got to have one on your team somewhere. And that's going to be Tylen Wallace. The man can. So if he can learn the playbook, if he can get on the field, there might be, it's something you might need to know. It's just something to keep in mind that that's going to be their, their field stretcher. And who knows, maybe at some point he has some kind of value, but he's not something that I'm drafting. Do you have anything that you want to talk about wide receiver related that we didn't cover? Cause I think that there's not no. much else useful outside of those two guys just because no. of the volume. And concern. we, and we always try to like hedge our bet here too. Like if something were to happen to Bateman, 
in the preseason or something, or even during the season, do I think that Hollywood Brown immediately becomes a top 30 wide receiver? No, I think we're right back where we were. I think Mark Andrews suddenly steps into probably a top three role at tight end. He's in that discussion at least. And, you know, Hollywood Brown is what he is. He's a wide receiver, 36. (laughs) Yeah. He's a wide back end wide receiver, three top end flex at best. And he'll go back to beefing with the coaching staff, which was yeah, not, and then, just not good for your general career. Yeah, Sammy Watkins is, you know, Larry Fitzgerald or AJ Green from last year. He's a guy. He's a bi-week fill-in at most. But again, that's if something happened to Bateman. If something right. happened to Hollywood Brown, then I agree with you. I think Tylen Wallace is the guy that becomes the primary field stretcher and gets a lot more run. But I, there's, there's no might... scenario where I see Boykin playing unless it's a tight end. Nope. There's, uh, Deion Kane, James Croce probably don't make the team unless they can win their jobs as the punter and kick return. A, a number of injuries would need to happen before I'd be willing to to look at Devin Duvernay. There would need yeah. to be multiple injuries before I could see him really yeah. realistically contributing. So Tylen Wallace could be the new. He's it's a name to know for the waiver wire for as you roll through your league. And then I think let's address Mark Andrews here because there just isn't that much to say. Yeah, he's a borderline top five tight end. For most people, he is number five, roughly. Yep. For me, he is number five, for example. Yep. And he's in that tier two of tight end with Hawkinson, Goddard, Andrews, Pitts. It, it's all it's all mm-hmm. in that tier two of tight end. And sure. and then usually I cut it at Fant. Fant is like the start of the next tier. That's kind of that's kind of where where my mind goes to that whole conversation. But it's really not that material because if you if you want Mark Andrews, you can get him. I just wouldn't overpay for it, and I would prefer T.J. Hawkinson. Would be my note on that matter. So it's. I don't have too much to say about it. He's 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 the he's the tight end you want. He's still probably the number two pass catcher on the team behind Bateman. And then you get yeah. to Brown. And then that's really it as far as things that I think are actually useful for things that you'll be drafting. Real, uh, I mean, realistically, draft. the way I have it kind of broken out is you've got your big three at tight end that are a clear cut above everybody else. Kelsey, Waller, Kittle. Then it's we're back where we were last year, right? Remember, we had the big three last year and then. You had Zach Ertz floating in purgatory. Yep, Zach Ertz was four by himself. He At was a tier four, one. Because yeah. there were people that believed Zach Ertz should be in the top three. There were people yeah. that believed he should be way out of it, that he was just done. It turns out he was done, but he was still that number four guy for me that I couldn't quite decide what to do. And then number five was Darren Waller. And it was Waller and then kind of another hill. And not a cliff, but a hill. And here's where we are again. Like Hawkinson to me is that clear cut number four in a tier by himself. And then I've got Andrews, Goddard, and Fant that all kind of float together in the same zone. But like, does Noah Fant have Aaron Rodgers? Because then he jumps up to number five. Oh, absolutely. But if he, absolutely. if he has Teddy Two Gloves or he has Drew Locke, he's right where I've got him. Dart throw touchdowns every week. Dallas Goddard, it looks like now... Zach Ertz may still make the team. So now if he's sharing that role, do I really want Dallas Goddard and number five or number well, six? That, and, that, and also with, we still don't know. That's the other elephant in the room there with, you know, theoretically we got a plan for Jalen Hurts being the starting quarterback of the Eagles. But if you follow the rumor mill, right. that's not necessarily a lock for a number yeah, of different exactly. reasons. So we'll see when we get there too. But like Andrews is the one with the most security of those guys. He's the one that I trust the most. And I don't trust a rookie in Kyle Pitts. So really, no, I don't either. It's Hawkinson. If I miss out on Hawkinson, I'm considering Andrews. But I've been in a few drafts already where I've had the option of: Do I take Hawkinson here or punt the position? 
And if I don't take Hawkinson, it comes back to me with Mark Andrews staring me down. And I just can't bring myself to pass on another running back or wide receiver in that scenario in, you know, over Mark Andrews. Like and we've, it, I, there's we've just nothing about- there that I'm like, oh man, I hate Mark Andrews. No, it's not something I feel. I feel very similarly to this, where T.J. Hawkinson is kind of the Mendoza line. So yeah. the way I've been, uh, the way I've been mocking, and the way I've been personally running my teams this year, it, it even kind of spreads into dynasty, which is a whole separate segue. But it's interesting because if I can't get one of the big three, I just typically just punt the position. Yeah, and I don't even necessarily feel like I have to get one of the top three because what's interesting is. You know, there's two different schools of thought for a lot of people this year where it's like, I want to get the top three and then build around that. So I have an advantage of that position every week. But I would argue that devalues all tight ends because if, if there's going to be three teams that have a good tight end and eight teams, uh, yeah, uh, nine, mm-hmm. nine teams in your league that will have a horrible tight end more than yep. likely. So why do I care? Like if I'm going to be in the boat with everybody else of having a, of having a kind of a crap-ish, crap-ish tight end, <laughs> why do I need to why do I need to spend out on any of this? And I can yeah. just punt the whole thing down and just stack up at wide receiver. Well, and that's running my thing back. too, like, like, cause right now, ADP wise, Mark Andrews is number four and he's going at 47 overall. So he's going right at the back end of the fourth in, in redraft leagues. Kyle Pitts is going at the top end of the fifth. TJ Hawkinson is going middle of the fifth slash end of the fifth. So for me, I've got Hawkinson ranked higher anyway. And based on where they're going in ADP, I'd rather take four strong players through the first four rounds, pass on Andrews, and get Hawkinson around later if I want to go early tight end. But if Hawkinson goes off the board in the fourth, I don't care who's there in the fifth. Like Mark Andrews would have to fall to me in the sixth or seventh round when I've already drafted all of my starters at the other primary positions to feel comfortable taking him as my guy. And that's just never the case. I'm right there with you where for me, Mark Andrews won't be coming off my board unless we're somewhere in the Mm fifties. And based on the ADPs that we're experiencing, he's not there. Mm -hmm. So you just move on from it. And it's just everything, every, you just, you just kind of rebuild because when you're talking about that area of the draft, you're also talking about things like, I mean, David Montgomery might still be there for you. You've got a plethora of fantastic receivers to pick from when you're out that way. So I would yeah. rather just invest my team yep. in that direction rather than lock up assets on tight end and just go yep. into the bucket with everybody else. So there's there's Mark Andrews, and then we got to let's let's that's let's just pivot into running back, I guess, because there's not too much more to say about it. It's Boy, tight end. Let me tell end. you, Neil, the stink has really come off the rose here. Right? Yeah, there's Man. boy. Remember, remember when J.K. Dobbins was like fantasy media darling? Everybody on the internet talked up J.K. Dobbins as like this great thing, and you know that he was going to kill Mark Ingram, and he he absolutely did that. Uh, and uh, but but now a year later, woof! Just nobody wants to talk about J.K. Dobbins. He is he is getting cratered in the ADP, and you know I got to be honest, I'm a little confused by why the wind has changed so much when aforementioned Mark Andrews is gone and his only competition is the Gus Mark, uh, Mark Ingram, Mark, Mark excuse me, yep. Mark Ingram uh, is gone. And then he's dealing with Gus Edwards as his only real competition. And it's not like people are super investing in Gus Edwards either. That's well, the other talk- thing. Like, yeah. They're, t- they're talking about a run heavy team. Now to be fair, it's, they mean it's, Lamar. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of just I, us here. Like, mean. so in the ECR, they have the top three tiers at running back. 
And then J.K. Dobbins is basically the lead back of tier four at RB16. And then in ADP, it's matching that. He's going just ahead of David Montgomery in the back end of the third round, RB16. But remember, all we heard last year was if J.K. Dobbins gets the role, they run so much, he's a top 10 guy. That he's going to be the next thing in fantasy football. And even on underdog in best ball, he's still going RB16, which you would think if he's a guy so good, he could be top five, top 10. Why is he falling so late? And especially in best ball when there's no risk. Like right, if, right. He, if he completely craps out and gives you nothing, it doesn't matter. So why he's falling so low is kind of surprising to me personally. I just don't think he can handle the full workload. We've already seen Gus Edwards stealing the goal line carries. They re-signed Gus Edwards, which to me is a big red flag that they don't trust Dobbins. Like, to take I also the role. think they do like Gus Edwards, and he's it's yeah. not like they paid him a lot of money. And I think that they, they think it's worth it. So it does make a certain amount of sense that little move. So to me, he isn't like Dobbins is in tier four of the running backs. I agree with the ECR in that regard, but my tier three is slightly larger. So he falls just, he's right at 20. He, he's right outside of my tier of guys that I would be comfortable with as my RB1. Like he's a, a solid upside RB2 for me, but he falls into that same category, unfortunately, with Mike Davis of, look, th this is a guy I'd love to have as my RB2, but if he's my RB1, I've done something wrong. <laughs> like this is, I missed something here, or I better have a spectacular team otherwise. Because if I'm getting J.K. Dobbins to be my primary guy, then I feel like I'm kind of in trouble. But the key difference there is we were talking about Mike Davis in the Atlanta episode, how I'm getting Mike Davis at the end of the fifth round or maybe right, even right. the sixth round because I've got four really great players. to carry my team and I don't care that my starting running back is Mike Davis if I'm a back end yeah, third no, round it's pick not. and, and that's just it's crazy because he was actually getting pumped up but right now currently as I sit here I just refreshed it he's yeah he's he's uh he's still the top end of tier four he's going right in front of David Montgomery and he's going like a couple spots in front of Daryl Henderson and it's just a situation for me personally where I would rather if I'm talking about guys in that area in that tier for myself I would much rather, if I'm going to have to be expected to pay up for that much on a J.K. Dobbins, I would rather just bite the bullet on a Chase Edmonds, on a team right. that I that is going to throw the ball so much more in a PPR league that I feel better about that, or a David Montgomery also going right there in the same range with the Tariq Cohen news. Yep. I would be more willing to go wheels up on a David Montgomery there. And that's kind of where I'm at with the whole situation. It's You're telling me that I have to pay full face value sticker for J.K. Dobbins. And what's crazy is this is actually lower than he's kind of been trending down a little bit, if that makes sense, because the hype train has gone, went really hard there. And now he's kind of settled into this area. So we'll see what happens when the general public gets a little bit more involved, if it pushes him back up, because I can tell you right now, if he goes any, I'm already out at this price point. If he goes any higher, we're going to have to do a PSA on drafting J.K. Dobbins. And it's, it's, it's going to be the CEH syndrome. Where well, it's like, I mean, stop yeah, it. Not, well, I don't know. Not, if it's not that to that extent. Not to that but, extent. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like he's the in the same. That, that's the problem is you're going to have a bunch of guys in this area 
where you like I said, this is why it's my RB2 range. Like you have guys in here like Dobbins, like uh, people for whatever reason, Miles Sanders, uh, Chris Carson, Josh Jacobs, Miles Gaskin, Kareem Hunt, Mike Davis. These are all guys that I'd love as my RB2. Never would want them as my RB1. Like this, you've gone too far on punting the running back position if this is your RB1. And Dobbins was supposed to be that guy that ascended to that next level. I mean, for crying out loud, Neil, we are going to talk about this in a few episodes and I can't wait to get there, believe it or not, because it's the hate in my opinion has gone too far, but he's only going two spots behind Deandre Swift. How is that yeah. possible? I don't know. I, How that's is one that, that I, even possible? I have so many strong opinions about this. Cause I've got Deandre. I'm, I am undeterred Steve yeah. by anything. I've got Deandre Swift as my RB 13 fight me. You won't, like, but the internet can, because they're going to tell me I'm crazy. Get out of here. Get off my lawn. DeAndre Swift is amazing. Like in the same breath as Dobbins, the same area you'd have to take him. Like you said, Montgomery, Swift, Joe Mixon. Those are all guys going roughly the same area. Even Chris Carson. Carson is a guy I would love to have as my RB2, and I can wait another round to get him Right. if he's my RB2. He's a great guy to pair with. Also a run-heavy team. Yeah, if you like, like run, if you Derek like your running back Dalvin too to be Cook. on a run heavy team, then there you go. That's a great yeah. choice. If I've got one of those top five guys because I have a top five pick, then I can easily take a guy like Chris Carson back end of, or will I guess be top of the third round, or even if I'm lucky, back of the fourth, where I'm I'm comfortable taking him there. Like Miles Gaskin, Miles Gaskin's a guy that I'm going to have so much stock in this year, and I can't wait to get to Miami either. Yeah, I would, but I draft in a lot of leagues with you, so I'm yeah. never going to own him. It's kind of a shame, but you know it is what it is. But no, J.K. Dobbins, just stop it. Like yeah. in, for me, in that tier, he's in the tier, but for me, that's where the tier order is really yeah, screwy. It's just unfortunate, like I said, because for me, that tier is oh god, RB twos. <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have nothing personal against J.K. Dobbins or his yep. role or anything like that. I'd be happy to roster him. It's just I'm not going to pay up Chris Carson numbers to have J.K. Dobbins. It's not happening. We're yep. moving on if that's what people want to do in the draft. I can't co-sign it. And for the record, our projections are even more negative than you and I are, mm-hmm. where I've got J.K. Dobbins in like the early 20s there next to right next to Mike Davis, David Montgomery, Chase Edmonds. If you go by our projections, he's in at 28. So yeah. there's, there's people on our staff who are even more out on it. So just we're going to, we, we tend to, to zig when others zag. And I think this is one of those areas where stay away from JK Dobbins. Now, if you want to get a value on something in the running back room, if you could get Gus Edwards at below yeah. retail value, I would but do that. I think I that's going to be that. the primary difference. If you actually like broke down the numbers too, because we only have JK Dobbins for 30 targets. Like he's not very involved in the passing game. And I believe a lot of the other projections and numbers out there have him as a massive. They, they do because they think he's going to be the check down guy. Yeah. And I'm like, well, they don't even check down. And when right. they do, it's to Mark Andrews. The, the check down guy is Mark Andrews. Yeah. And a lot of where Dobbins was getting his work last year was over the middle, which is why they brought in Rashad Bateman. So they're, they're like, he's losing those opportunities. There's no Mark Ingram, but did he really have Mark Ingram last year? No, he had the shell of, of yeah. that. So, I mean, just individual. look at what happened last season and it was JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Tell me how it's possibly going to be different this year that he would now catapult himself into a top 20 role. And it exactly. just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. So no, to stay your away. Point, though, like Gus Edwards right now, is going at RB forty four. I would, I, mm-hmm. I like that. People I like, are riding I like the Gus bus. I he's, like, I, 
but let's look at that. So he's it's a little RB... too high. It's a little too high, actually. But it's he's RB forty nine uh... in the ECR. So people are even going against ECR. He's RB fifty two for me. Uh, again, he's got the goal line work, and he's going to steal carries from J.K. Dobbins. But he doesn't have a consistent enough role on a weekly basis that I can count on him. But again, no, he's in one of those situations where if something happened to Dobbins then Gus Edwards all of a sudden becomes basically a three down back. Like Justice right. Hill is going to work his way in there and help he him will. out. But it's pretty much going to be the Gus bus just riding it out. That's that's part of why I think he gets pushed off because I've got Gus Edwards at 49. I've got him right inside. He's basically right inside the top 50 there. And yeah. I would be happy to roster him at that price point because it would be it would behoove me to do so because of what you just said. If something yep. was to happen to J.K. Dobbins, which is certainly not outside the realm of possibility, Gus Edwards becomes like the back end of RB2. He takes yeah. over that Mike Davis spot as the literal back end of RB2 every week. You will be playing Gus Edwards. So beyond that, that's really the Ravens, folks. The defense is going to be pretty good. Don't overpay for it. And uh, Justin Tucker is really, really good. That's yeah. really it. There's and, not much I mean, that's always about. the takeaway, right? Like those are the, the unfortunate thing is those are the people know. So like Justin Tucker is a guy who's good and consistent, but, you know, kickers are never consistent. Even a guy like Tucker doesn't consistently finish in the top five. He's just good enough and consistent enough in the top 10 that he's a name people recognize and will overpay. Don't overpay for a kicker. It's never worth it. Same thing with defense. I, I, I've laid out the stat a couple of times. Like the defenses drafted in the top 10, generally speaking, don't. They're fairly inconsistent. Defenses change year on year. Schemes and schedules change. So personnel changes and people yeah. don't cover it the way that they cover the offensive personnel changes. Yeah, they're like the Ravens have lost a bunch of people on the defense. They're going to be okay, but arguably the best team on paper in the NFL is the Cleveland Browns. As shocking as that is to say that arguably speaking, they are the favorites right now. And yep. they are in that division. You got to play them twice. You have the Steelers who are trying to go with one last ride. You have Cincinnati, who is a terrible defense, but that offense is going to light up. Oh, the that sport. offense is chef kiss, though. Oh, so you've oh, got oh, oh. six really tough games just within your division. And then based on where you finished last year, you also have to deal with some difficult games outside of the division as well. You have tough opponents. You're never going to have a week off. Like the Ravens are going to be a team that are probably going to finish top 10 in defense, but they're not going to finish number one and going to have to pay a premium if you want. Yeah, they're most people's number three defense off the board. And I would yeah. say if that's going to be the how you're going to go about it, then I would just totally punt that as well. Find a defense I can get late, late, yeah. late, who has a great matchup week one and stream the position for the whole year. That's what I yeah. would do. The only way you end up with the Ravens, who right now are ADP number four, going right behind the Rams, Steelers, and Bucks. Which I want very little of. The Bucks, maybe, if I could get a reasonable price like on it. If you, right now, if you were to take the Ravens, you would essentially be saying that you're going to take a defense in like the 12th or 13th round, which you never want to do. Whereas you can wait a couple of rounds and get the Colts. You can wait until the very end and get the Saints, the Browns, who I've mentioned, the Cardinals, the Broncos, the Dolphins, all defenses that have added pieces that have gotten even better than they were last year when they weren't bad. And now they are coming into this season looking to win games and be competitive. And you can just have about them for free. I'd say about 80% of those teams you named will have an easier schedule. <laughs> exactly. Not all of them, but most. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So that's it, folks. We went a little bit longer than normal, but we warned you. 
The Ravens is a lot to unpack. The Ravens is a lot to unpack. So that's going to wrap it up for today. And uh, we will be back uh, with Buffalo right on deck. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!